This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Isha Torah's Essentials program here in the uh, holy city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Western Wall, which seems to be a tourist icon, and then the Temple Mount, which is our ancestral wormhole to the Creator. So here we are in the um, uh, subject of today's class is Al. Oh, let me work on this pen a little bit. Got to do the Iranian centrifuge here. Yeah, nuclear pens. Today we'll be studying L S D, which stands for large siata. Dishmaya. Large Siata Dishmaya. And the word large Siata Dishmaya. What's up, Andrew? Large Siata Dishmaya means, um, means uh, for those who don't know the Aramaic, uh, large, I think everyone here understands, Siata means uh, uh, assistance, and Dishmaya means divine. Large divine assistance. Now, I think all of us would love to have seriously large divine assistance in everything we do. And you can actually achieve divine assistance. And what I'm going to do today is teach you the key to large Siata Dishmaya. And then I will explain what kind of levels of Siata Dishmaya we will get from, uh, from following the, the next instructions. What? I lost a button. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> Where is that button? It's my big belly. I'm busting out my buttons here. Okay, so here we go on our large Siata Deshmaya journey. Um, I'm going to move this a little bit over here. Hopefully I don't mess things up here. And, uh, and then we're going to work uh, over here. I'm going to create a Venn diagram. Do I have a darker color here? Let's go with uh, brown. I'm going to create a Venn diagram. And on the left side, I'm going to put the word decide. And on the right side, I'm putting the word commit. Okay, so we got decide and we got the word commit. Clear? And the reason I have it in a Venn diagram is because we often blur the two words. We, we think when we made a decision, yeah, when you decided on something, you think you made a commitment. But what we're going to see is that the decision's its own mode and commitment's its own mode. And the siyata deshmaya is going to come from here, from committed. Committed people get the siyata deshmaya, and decide people, they don't get siyata deshmaya. They just live life in the normal you know, normal natural laws, cause and effect, you know, uh, tit for tat life is the, is the decide piece. Now, um, let me just define the word decide here. Um, the word decide has a root of side. Side means to eliminate, like pesticide. Okay, homicide, genocide, homicide, uh, suicide. These, the side means to eliminate. And what happens is whenever you want to do something... If you're interested in, what does this mean? I'm getting a note, guys. It says the camera is coming in reversed. Oh, the words are appearing backwards. Duh. Like Facebook hasn't figured that one out yet. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to start writing backwards, but it's good to know. What's that? Yeah, you think? I doubt it. Is someone going to tell? Is that crazy idea or that might work? Well, we used to do that. We used to do that. Oh, go to my back camera? Yeah. Uh, really? Let's see. Andrew, tell me if this worked. <laughs> someone else is saying out of focus, too. <laughs> hey, Elkanan, he's in, he's in like Sheepland, New Zealand. These are all my, these are all my friends. Um, so, guys, let me know if this works. 
Here, you're in charge of seeing his note. Okay. Look here at his note. Did that work, Andrew? Let's see if you get a yes. You could just check on the camera yeah, to see yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you can see our we can see ourselves. <laughs> yes. The words are right. Cool. Cool breeze, Daddy O. And it's a better camera, right? The back yeah. camera's better. It's more bitter. Okay. So the word side means to eliminate, and you'll notice that whenever you have a choice. You usually have multiple choices of what you can do, like what you can do with your night or what you can do with your day or what you can do with your life. Or You have multiple choices, who you can marry, multiple choices, where you want to work, multiple choices. you got a lot of choices. And amongst all those choices, what you do is you, you basically measure the positive and negatives of every option and you easily eliminate the ones that have too many negatives and not enough positives. And then after a while, you narrow it down to one or two things which both have positive and negatives and may even get equal. And then you'll just have to, like, crack your brain in it, on it to, like, figure out which one has more positives. But what happens in the end is, is one option wins. One option wins. What does it win? One option wins the most reasons. It, w- it, it wins the... Uh, the reason contest. Let's see if I have a better blue here. Yeah. It wins the reasons contest. And when a when something wins the reasons contest, because decisions are always based on reasons. Always. You you only would ever make a decision based on reasons. Uh, ladies, you want to sit together or you're cool? Yeah. Uh, you mind moving over one seat? Just to make room. Let's see if she gives her the aisle. Does she give her the aisle? She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't give her the aisle. It's such a character test. You know? I'm always watching everybody if they give the aisle or not. You know. So. Why should she give the Are you kidding? I'd give them my. I'd sit on the floor. What if you were on a plane? Plane. I like the window personally. Question is, would I give up my window? I've given up some crazy seats. I was once, I was once, the only empty seat was between two crazily obese men. And that was the only seat available. And I'm sitting in the seat I like to sit in. And, and I'm pretending not to hear, because I was so exhausted. I was pretending not to hear someone asking the person next to me if they could please move so that she could sit next to her husband. So I'm pretending not to hear her hoping the guy's a gentleman and gets up out of his seat. So he says, okay, where's the seat available? She's like, between these two guys. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm not sitting between those guys. And, the, and these guys were pretty happy because they had no one sitting between them. They didn't realize someone's going to be there. So anyway, I'm pretending not to listen like I'm listening to my music. You know? Anyway, but the guy next to me is a total jerk and doesn't give up his seat. So I finally like, I'm like, where, where's the seat? And she's like, between those two guys. And I'm like, fine, I'll take it. And I gave up my seat, and, which was a really good seat. Or I gave the jerk my seat, and they sat together. And, uh, and then uh, I went and sat between these two guys. And these two guys were like so angry that they were going to spend the next 11 hours with their bellies kind of touching my sides. And, and it turns out they were both bumped from business class. They'd both been bumped from business class. So they were like, they were already angry. And now they're really angry. And had there not been a fist fight in the cabin in front of us, we would have probably just gotten totally miserable. But we suddenly got entertained by a fist fight. <laughs> Something to do with the overhead compartment. There was a full-on fist fight. It was amazing. It was, it was like, you couldn't get a more entertaining plane ride. And we hadn't taken off yet. So they got to like take them off the plane and everything. So it was like the police came on. It was great. By the way, I'm not into fist fight. I prefer peace, but if there's going to be a fist fight, like, let me watch. <laughs> I would have broken it up, but I would have gotten punched for sure. This was like the kind you don't get, you don't get near it, you know. So, anyway, so, anyway, reasons, reasons are what cause decisions. Every decision, you can't make a decision without reason. Every decision's based on 
reasons. And the one that wins the most reasons is how you make your decision. In fact, I could bet 100 bucks on every single person in this room that this class, well, this class won. It won. It won. All of you are in here. Oh, maybe not her. But all of you, she's like, I'm out of here. It didn't win. So this class won. All the other things you could have done. You're in Israel. There's a lot of options. Tons of things you could have done. But now the most reasons came here, which is kind of interesting because you had no idea what I was going to talk about. Which means that something else won. Maybe it was that possibility that maybe I'll speak about something important that might be worthwhile to you, that, that to spend the hour between three and four with me beat out a bunch of stuff without you even knowing what I was going to be talking about. And you have to have lucked out because what you're about to hear is uh, one of the more important things you'll ever hear. And it makes all the difference in life and you get the large siyata de shmaya to, to boot, which again stands for um, large uh, divine... Oops. Divine... Assistance. Large divine assistance. Now, now here's the deal. Remember how I said before there's people who live in commitment mode, that they're two separate modes, they shouldn't be, you shouldn't be just blurring these two? You shouldn't be thinking one's the other and the other one's the one? Meaning like when you decided on something, you're committed? You're not committed just because you decided. And it's really important you get that. This is what I want you to get today. Is that when you make a decision, you are not committed yet. And there's not, you're not going to get that kind of wind in your sails because you made a decision. You don't, you don't get like divine favor for making a decision. This is basic logic. Anyone can make a decision. You just need to... Animals are making a decision. You know, the, the, the elephant's looking at this grass. It's looking at that grass. It's looking at this grass. That and then it just kind of goes over to that grass. And it's like decisions, you don't get divine favor for that. You know, it's just a decision. You know, and decisions don't mean much. You know why decisions don't mean much? For those of you, for those of you who live in decision mode, you thought you were committed, but you actually live in decision mode. For those who live in decision mode, the reason why it's not a very big deal and it doesn't get a lot of divine favor is because guess what happens with someone who lives in a reason-based lifestyle? Someone who lives their life based on reasons. What can I say about that? What do you know about that person? Yeah? They're probably not like attributing a lot of things to God, maybe, because they just... They like have their reasons for. They uh, uh, the reason for yeah, you're being you're being way more philosophical than I am today. I'm not in a very philosophical mood, but this course usually, meaning essentials in general, like, general, you're like you're right in the mode of essentials. This class is kind of much more practical right now. Yeah, they're kind of just flip flopping around because they're just based off. You the hear that? They're kind of just flip flopping around. Why? Because they're just basing it off of the reasons. So today I want to be connected to God. And tomorrow I'm not in a good mood, so I just want to, you know, go eat ice cream if you're looking. Excellent. So the relationship with God could be pretty wishy-washy, and I know you're all thinking about relationship with God because you're here in ancient Torah. But what else could be wishy-washy? Your life. Yeah, everything. Because you chose to work for that company because of certain reasons, and then when you get to that company, you know, all those reasons that inspired you suddenly aren't that inspiring anymore. What are you going to do, Quit? Or some other company comes with the same job. You're still inspired by the job, but some other company comes and offers you more money at better conditions. Are you just going to jump ship and leave a completely blank year in your resume so that when people ask you, oh, you know, let's say it's 2030, you know, 12 years from now, and someone's like, listen, we're interested in hiring you. If you could just please explain what happened in 2020 because it's just not on your resume. So there's no employer we can call. And we're on vacation? We're in Hawaii? I mean, we're, you take a sabbatical? Where were you? And of course, you're thinking that's when I jumped ship because I was living, I lived a reason-based life. I was living based on reasons, and so now I have a big, fat hole in my resume. And how many of us fall in love with, you know, Tinkerbell, or I don't know what you call the male version of Tinkerbell, for whatever reasons, most of which aren't even real or true, but but our, uh, we create a reason around this person, reasons around this person. And, but we always wake up later 
you know, weeks, months, years, or certainly after marriage, you wake up later and you're like, who the hell are you? You know, like, where? And there's no more reasons. And of course, then you're, you know, it's, you're at social functions and seeing all kinds of people who, now that you've, your mind's settled a little bit or your life's settled a little bit, you see people who you'd have a lot more reason to be married to, but you're married to Dodo. And so now you're suffering because you're looking at every other person instead of being settled with the person who has actually sacrificed all their entire reality to you. Which is not, obviously you don't sacrifice your entire reality, but, but marriage, is, marriage is a full-on sacrifice in a big way. Never sacrifice your whole reality, but it's, your reality is going to transform for this person. And now you're looking around because the reasons will wore off And God who, God, who puts a hell of a lot more into giving you pain and suffering than keeping your life like Club Med. I mean, think about it. You, we all want life to be Club Med. And that's totally vanilla, and, you know, that would be very easy for God. But God actually works triple time, quadruple time, to throw you some curveballs to get you to grow a bit, because most people don't grow until they get a curveball. And so he's... he's He's like working really overtime, giving you some test. But you use that test as more reasons not to believe in him or more reasons not to do his will. Or, or He's like, maybe I should stop testing this particular one because she's a little fair-weathered. You know, I'll go test someone who actually stays with me. And that's the kind of person who's really playing the game with God, who can really grow. Because there's no growth. There's no growth if you, if you don't have God in the picture, because if you're getting thrashed, which is the way most people grow, if you're getting thrashed, and then suddenly you just become this victim of like bad circumstances or you know evil fate, and meaning threw God out. So then, what are you supposed to get out of that? All you get out of that is you just have lame muzzle. You know, you have bad luck or something. Whereas someone in a God relationship, when he's hitting those walls is able to look up and say, oh, okay, what am I supposed to get? You know, it'd be like a professor who one day he comes in, he, he runs mouse races for laboratories and stuff, and, uh, it, and he, uh, he gets into the office, and, you know, there are all the rats, and all of a sudden he hears a little, hello. He's like, what was that? Hello. Who is that? Hello. Looks down the cage, one of the rats, of like ten rats, and there's a it's me. You know, and he's like, put, takes him out, puts him on his table, he's drinking his coffee, and they're having, a, they're having a whole schmooze. And then it's time to, but the rat's still got to work. I mean, it works for the lab, so he's running the race. But now, every time the rat hits a wall, it looks up. Because, you know, he's setting up the maze differently each time. And every time he hits a wall, he's like, and the, and the professor's like, gotcha, gotcha. But the professor's really rooting for him, because he's his little buddy. And so he's kind of rooting for him and stuff, but he's putting walls where he needs to hit a wall because you got to hit walls if you're going to grow. And then when he, but he, when he finally makes it out, he's just like, yeah, the professor's like, that's my boy. So we're all racing. We're all in this rat race, meaning we're all going through stuff. Sometimes we're moving through, sometimes we're hitting walls. But to hit a wall that feels quite random is like, you know, that's just an existential, you know, that's like an existential uh, 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 kind of stage of hell, I suppose. Uh, whereas hitting a wall when you have a relationship with the orchestrator of, your, of the maze itself, is, uh, it still hurts, and it can hurt a lot, but, but I realize that I'm in... This is God's gym. You heard of Gold's Gym? Yeah, just get rid of the L. Okay? This is God's gym, and, and I'm exercising here. Now, decision people don't get to have that. So we gave several examples. Work, wishy-washy. Relationships, wishy-washy. God, wishy-washy. Everything. There's nothing you can really count on with reasonable people. Okay? People who live in decision mode, and you heard I just called them reasonable because they're reason-able. Like when you enable something on your phone, your smartphone. So these are reason-able people. 
and people who are who let reason stop them or start them or whatever them are always lost. You can't count on them for anything. I mean, think about it. Can you ever count on someone who lives in decision mode? Who says they're not going to make a new decision one day? And they may even stay with you. Like, they may stay your friend or whatever, but... But, you know, they're just like... You know, imagine uh, part of being married. Part of being married is sometimes your spouse does something that you don't like so much. So are you going to, like, freak out and react? You're going to freak out and react when your spouse does something you didn't like? Like, ladies, or your husband comes home two hours late and you were sitting there with candlelit dinner and he just forgot? You know, are you going to react to that? Do you let reason stop you? You think he wanted to be anywhere else but sitting with you? But what are you going to turn that into, a three-day Cold War? You know, is that another trip to the shrink for 200 bucks? He didn't come home. And, and, and husbands, when your wife thrashes you, it's just part of being married to a Jew. When your wife thrashes you, you're going to react to that? You're going to go disappear to Mincha for three hours? You're going to go to the bathroom for two hours? Which is called flight? Or the opposite, even worse, you're going to, what's the opposite of flight? You know, fight. Like, that's what she needs. The only reason she's thrashing you is she's feeling a little insecure right now. So, like, t- put your brain on, man. She's feeling insecure. You're going to abandon an insecure person? Or you're going to fight with an insecure person? Oh, but she said she's attacking me. That's nice. She's not feeling right now very strong. Maybe she's just seeing if she's got a man. And flight and fight ain't a man. Right? If I even hear, if someone made an argument against me in this class and I start fighting with him, you realize I've lost all my, all my stature as a, as a man if I allowed myself to get dragged into a fight. And if she's feeling insecure such that she's attacking the man she loves, she's obviously looking for a man. She doesn't care about the details of this conversation. What she wants is a man, and the guy's busy. You know, he's either can't wait to get out and go to a sports bar with his friends and drink some beers or get high, and and or he's gonna fight her. What kind of person is that? That a decide person or a commit person? Which one? Or how familiar does this sound? If your mother or your father calls, and uh, let's just say your mother or your father makes you feel like you're about nine years old whenever you talk to them. Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? Your mother, your father makes you feel like you're about nine when they call. So, I mean, how long are you going to spend on the phone with a nine with someone who makes you feel like you're nine? And I'm sure every psychologist would stamp the fact that you're you were justified in the following conversation. Hello. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah. It's really bad timing. Yeah, I can't speak right now. Yeah, I'll try to call you later. Is probably you know, the majority of therapists would sign that you're totally justified in that. I mean, but I don't know where in the Ten Commandments that's justified as far as honor your parents. And how come our brains are turned off just like a husband's brain shuts down when his wife attacks? So too, our brain shuts down when our mother calls or our father calls. Because the only reason your parents nag you and try to constantly fix you is because they love you. I mean, has your father ever called this girl behind you? And has your father ever called this guy? And has your fa- your mother ever called this lady? And has your mother ever called her? Oh, who, who are these people calling us and that can't stop giving unsolicited advice? And the answer is, it's the, it's the only people on earth who would refinance their home if you got into medical trouble or legal trouble. The only person, people in the world who would sacrifice everything for you, but you can't stay on the phone with them for four seconds because they have reasons with the stamp for you to get off the phone with them within five seconds of their having called you. As opposed to just putting your head on straight, staying committed to somebody and recognizing that this person loves you.
they're calling possibly from a great distance and feeling that distance, but they don't know what to say, so they just start giving unsolicited advice. Because that's just their mode. That's their language of love. And so what we got to do in our lives is we have to move from reasons and decisions, which is fine. you got to go there. You, there's no way you'll ever get to commitment without decision. You have to first decide on something. Then you can talk about commitment, meaning uh, I mean, you can decide which person you're going to marry, but when you get under that wedding canopy, when you get under that chuppah, you're moving it from decision to what? To commit. Uh, it could be a company's training you. And they're saying, like, listen, we're going to train you. That's a lot of money off our company that you're going to all this training. And at the end of your training, you know, we'd like three years. You know, we don't mind if you got a better option after three years, but we don't want to do all this training without a three-year commitment from you. And that's fine. That's fine to go from, from decide to commit, but go, you got to go there. And... Do you notice anything under the word commit here? Anything under there? Can we practice some Spanish together? Here's a Spanish word. It's called nada. Everyone try the word nada. Nada. Together. One, two, three. Nada. Nada. There's nothing under there. There's no reasons. There's no reasons under, under the word commit there. And... When there's no reasons, so then it's what's a, there's another term for it. It's no term is I'm in. It's kind of cool with the hope you actually have to go into something. So it's a, it's the word is I'm in. And when you're in in life. Now, again, you don't have to live over here for everything. I mean, if you're deciding between dinner and a movie, you're allowed to change your mind. You know, If you're deciding between milk and meat for dinner, you're allowed to change your mind. Like, plenty of stuff is fine to live in decision mode. But the problem is until someone understands the distinction between decision, decide, and commit, until someone understands that distinction, you're probably living in decision mode about things you really should be in commitment mode. You get that? To say that again, it's fine to decide on certain things, but there's a lot of things that you're living in decision mode when you really should be in commitment mode. And the incentive of doing that, of living in commitment mode, is you get a lot of stuff out of that. You get a lot of good stuff out of that. And one of those things you get is, is um, the people, let's say you're in a relationship with, um, they have a lot of uh, security in the relationship. Because they know that when you're in, you're in. And nothing takes you out. There are no reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm in. And so if you're married and the person's in, so then, you know, you're, you, if, if, if you're married to someone in decision mode and they're asking you to help them pack, you're not going to help them pack for a trip. But if you're married to someone who's in, and they ask you to help them pack because they have to go pick something up. They got to go pick up their passport that they left at a friend's house. And but can you help pack me because I got to leave? So you 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 help pack him because he he's in and it's your pleasure. It makes people very safe. Everyone feels much safer with a person who's in. Okay, so let's talk about siyata deshmaya. Um, here are the levels of siyata deshmaya that you get. When, when you're in. So, the first thing you get when someone's in, I'm going to go with blue. The first thing you get when someone's in is uh, safe, which we just spoke about. I'm happy to hear what you guys want to say too, but I'm just going to go. If someone wants to interject of what you get when someone's in or when you're in, Okay, so another thing you get is you get um, um, ultimately. I mean, this is a big one, and it's got a lot of subsidiaries. But you get um, God's favor. 
You get God's favor. I'm going to explain what that means in a second, but God favors committed people. Uh, decision people, God doesn't count on so much just because there's nothing to count on. Whereas when God's got someone who's in, suddenly you're on missions. Like you literally get missions. Like if God knows you're in, you're, you're just, God just starts sending you cool stuff. Um, one of those things, I'll put a little list of those. So uh, we'll put a, 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 I guess, is you get missions because he knows you're in. Uh, B is um, you get something called a, a conflict uh, resolution. Uh, and that's what I'm not talking about between people. I'm talking about conflict resolution in schedule. Meaning, meaning if you have to be one place at one time and you have to be another place another time, but there's no time to get from one to the other. Because whatever, you don't have a car or you don't ride a motorcycle or something or whatever. So you can actually commit to both. I mean, you have to get good at it for a while. Like, this is one of the ones that you've got to practice commitment. But someone's just going to, like, drive up and say, oh, you, do you need to get somewhere? And you're like, yeah, I do, actually. And they'll just say, well, jump in. And they'll just take you there. So, so you get, like, inc- incredible... Um, schedule conflict resolution takes place. Um, generally, obviously, it's forbidden to com- com- to uh, to commit to two s- conflicting things, but sometimes we just wind up double booked on s- two things that we did commit to. And when you wind up double booked, uh, it's it's responsible to cancel one of them, but don't c- cancel it so quickly. Like wait a little, because sometimes it wouldn't look so good f- if you canceled it because you're, you're a committed person. And if you have to cancel, you will. And don't go beyond the time that would be irresponsible to call and cancel. But just wait. 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 Find out what's the border of responsible and irresponsible cancellation. And just stick with it. And see if you don't get siat and deshmaya. And they actually phone you and say, hey, the meeting in Texas was canceled. Um, it's been postponed for next week. And you're just like, woo. Because it's really hard to meet someone in Texas when you're supposed to be in Vegas at a different meeting. And so you can call immediately, but it might be even better to wait a little bit and see if it gets gets uh, gets uh, dealt with um, by God himself. Um, another thing you get is uh, ABC. Another thing you get with God's favor is um, is Solutions. Solutions. So, like yesterday, I I went to an event. Uh, it was uh, one of my company's events, and they and a guy showed up at seven. He was supposed to be at seven. He showed up at seven twenty, and and he explained to me that there was a accident on the road. That's a two lane highway to get to Jerusalem, and he just what could he do? I mean, he was in a he was in a bus, and I said, well. Well, I mean, you could have checked ways. <laughs> He's like, I have a kosher phone. So we could have asked someone who has ways. He says, well, I was in my, where I learned Torah, and everyone there has kosher phones, so no one had ways. And I said, you, you want to tell me that there's not one person in your life with a phone that you could have called him and asked him to check ways? And he says, okay, well, there's several people I know with ways. okay. So, had you been committed to being here at 7, would you have been here at 7? He said, yeah, I would have been here at 7. Because had I been committed, I would have thought, hmm, I'm not relying 100% on public transportation here. I could call someone with ways and find out if perhaps the, the highway is blocked by an accident. And once I find out the highway is blocked by an accident, that means I'm not going to be busing to Jerusalem. Rather, I'm going to go to the exit of my neighborhood and tell, very nicely tell some poor guy who doesn't have ways that there's an accident and that can we please go the alternative way and save his life and my life from, he's, now he's going to be on time and I'm going to be on time. So we can go an alternative route. But all of this would have happened just with commitment because when you're committed to something, you get incredible solutions to that 
in that um, situation. Um, another thing you get is um, another thing you get is I don't know how to explain this exactly, but you get miracles. <laughs> how do you spell miracles? A. Is you get miracles, like God will, God will just like send miracles your way because of your commitment to things. So, so you can just have all kinds of cool stuff happen. Raise your hands if you ever had really cool stuff happen because you were committed to something. Yeah. So you you just get cool stuff. You get these freebies that like you just you just feel God had to have orchestrated that. There's no way statistically that could have possibly happened. Like, for example, um, when people do my seminars, I'm, like, super committed to them. So there was a guy from England who didn't have, um, he didn't know that that day's class was canceled. He was the only one who didn't know. Because that particular group, everyone was from Asia, except for this one guy who flew in from England. And um, he was a really funny guy, because he would always have, his face would kind of contort while you talked. And then he would was working out what you're saying and then when you finally get it he would go <sighs> in the middle of a class it would like freak people out people would be like <laughs> but I saw it coming because when his face got like ultimately contorted it was coming and he would just go <sighs> so anyway I wish I remember this guy's name he was such a sweetheart so anyway I was fretting over the fact that this guy was going to make his way to Jerusalem into the old city only to find out the class was canceled it really bothered me and it was bothering me all night bothering me all day and I didn't have a cell phone it was actually before cell phones and it was many years ago and, and um, anyway so that afternoon about I don't know oh no it wasn't before cell phones but it was like first cell phones and he didn't have one and it was a couple hours before the program, and I'm listening to messages on my phone. Remember, we used to listen to messages on phones. So I was listening to messages, which is just I can't imagine. I can't remember the last time I listened to a message. And the and on my phone, I could press a button. I forget which one it was. I think it was maybe star, and it would call back the caller. So while I'm driving, I kind of hit the star to call back a guy, and the. And it gets answered, and I hear that beep that Israeli sell uh, pay phones on the streets. When you pick up the pay phone, it goes beep, 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 for the first, like, ten seconds, indicating it's a pay phone. And so I hear that pay phone noise, but I hear the British accent of this guy. I forget what his name is, but, you know, it was, it was like Waldo or Spalding or something. So, so I'm like, Spalding? And he's like... Yes. And I'm like, I just, it's Rabbi Glazer. And he was like, how did you know to reach me here? Now, he was just walking down Jaffa Street and saw the the payphone ringing. And of course, today, no one would ever answer a payphone ringing. But in those days, people didn't have phones, so let's answer it. And so he answered the phone. <laughs> And of course, I mean, I could just picture his face contorting while I was talking to him. And, and he's like, how did you know I was here? And I decided to, to capitalize on the moment. So I said, I said, there's a lot of things you don't know about me. <laughs> and, he, and he says, ah. <laughs> And anyway, but I was able to tell him not to bother coming into the old city to find out that the class was canceled. How you doing, sir? Uh, is it Thursday? Yeah. That's always my reminder, it's Thursday. We feed a family every Shabbos. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it changed, buys drinks, things that fold by chicken and fish. So if anyone want to help feed a family, we'll pass around a cup at the end of all this. Um, uh, there's all these other ones. Uh, does someone else want to give me uh, commitment, uh, Commitment, what you get when you live committed. Yeah. Yeah. Me? Oh, did you, did you offer? Yeah. Oh, please. Uh, opportunities. What do you mean? Uh, 
I mean, I could put another one down right now. Is you get. Let me put it like this. Um, when people need somebody to do fulfill a task, which may be a, a, a job or something or any other kind of responsibility, and they have to decide amongst people, so they're going to go with the person who's fully committed. And there's a lot of companies that are doing like really high-stakes type of stuff, and the the character of a committed person is, is just, they can't risk this kind of thing on anyone who even is near decision mode. We need to, we need, we're going to need a really committed person for that. And so what happens is if you're the kind of person who's always flexing his commitment muscles, so you're, you're kind of the number one pick for a lot of things. Even in, uh, I live very much in commitment mode and the Sometimes there's like high stake events for companies or, or synagogues or stuff around the world, and you know it's a high stake event, and they'll they will call me a lot to hire me to go do that to be the rabbi or to give a public address or something. And the reason they're doing that is is because I'm just they know like it's there's no on day and off day for that. I'm not going to have an on and off day for such a intense commitment like that. Um, there's also, uh, your pay goes up a lot. So... It's not part of it. It is part of it, but but it's also just in general you can ask for more money as a committed person because it's, it's a value that you offer. That by being a committed person you can ask for more money than people who are potentially more wishy-washy. Because you're just a get-the-job-done guy. There's another thing that happens that... Uh, that if you um, another thing that happens is uh, is you'll always you'll always be hired. I don't know how to write that, but uh, you're you're uh, let's call it fail proof. Being committed doesn't mean you'll succeed. I mean, you could be totally committed to something and then it just tanks and goes bankrupt. But what's amazing is people will always work with you. Meaning another company is going to hire you like that, you're, or you'll get more investors all of a sudden. And the reason is because people realize that when they invest with you, what you said you're going to do, you're going to do. Like, that's not a question. And it, just because you're committed doesn't mean everything you do wins. But you're like the kind of person that people will always work with because... Because they just know when you say you'll do it, you do it. You know, when you're in, you're in. Yeah. Um, I mean, in addition, I think, like, I guess it's related, but when you receive so many tasks that people are coming to you because they know that you're responsible, they know that you're reliable, I think it also, like, helps you, like, like helps you with your mind, like, constantly, you're constantly looking for solutions because you're not the guy who, like, says, um, oh, okay, I tried. You come back to the guy, yeah, I tried. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But you're that guy who like says, okay, I can do it this way. Um, I'll go for the next one, and the next one, next one, next one, until you get it done, whatever way it is, and then you come back to the guy and say, I did it. Right, right. It's almost like try leaves your vocabulary. Meaning, meaning, sorry, I tried. Right. I tried. Yeah, how many of us have told people we tried or, you know, worked for some place or another and didn't work out, you know, we tell them we tried. <laughs> so when does the commitment, when do you... Uh, very important question. Maybe we'll use the re- rest of the time. I'll just take what you're going to say. We'll, we'll finish our last minute with that. What? Is this still considered a commitment if you commit yourself before um, the option actually comes to you? It's an interesting question. I don't know how to answer that, but the answer is probably yes. But it's too hypothetical for me on the spot. What? Oh, like the Torah, like the Jews committed before they got it. Is that what you were thinking of? That's what he was thinking. Of. That's pretty cool. Maybe that's why they got it. Maybe God said, hey, "Any any any nation that commits to fifty five thousand laws, having not even seen them, is like those are the kind of people I'm giving the Torah to." What's that? <laughs> we needed Purim. Yeah, what did you say? That's a hard job. You're gonna ask questions before you commit to it. Yeah, that's not normal what she said. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Hey, okay, here we go. The last thing that you asked was, do you, if you're committed, how do you get out of commitment? Is there such a thing, listen carefully, is there such a thing that enough reasons could come up that you get out? I mean, if any of you were married and found out your spouse was actually, your spouse thought you had an open marriage? <laughs> Are you staying in that marriage? Or you found out your spouse actually has like a... Your spouse is actually secretly an, an organ and drug dealer. Illegal organ trade. And he's like harvesting Sri Lankan's kidneys. You know? I mean, is there... Is there would there ever be enough reason... You made another decision. You didn't actually commit no, no, you're committed to being married to this person, but is there anything that could ever get you out of a commitment? They broke that commitment. So I'm going to give you an answer. The answer is, of course, you can break commitments. In fact, before the tractate of marriage in, called Kedushin in, in the Talmud, you know what the tractate is before Kedushin? The tractate's called Gittin, which is divorce contracts. We actually learned first how to get out before we learn how to get in. Okay. What? So, anyway, the the healing before the uh, before the uh, wound. So, the answer is you can get out, but just never alone. Never alone. You can't trust yourself. Whenever you need to get out of a commitment, you always seek the advice of someone sagely. In Judaism, we call that our Rebbe or our Rebetzin. And if, and, but it's got to be someone... Sometimes we like pick and choose because we know this type of person is going to let us get out of things. So you got to go to the person who's going to press you against the wall and say to you, what's all this bringing up for you? And it turns out the guy who was going to get out of the marriage was going to get out because he's humiliated. It has nothing to do with her. He actually could forgive her for whatever, like, stupid thing she, like, I don't know, she was secretly trading cocaine or something and finds out his wife's actually a major drug dealer or something. He's like, how did this happen to me? And me, But he, he found out because he, she didn't come home that day and he, all night, and the next day she's on the front page of the, you know, the Chicago Post. And so he's getting a divorce after that. Except he goes to speak to his Rebbe, and his Rebbe starts, you know, he's just poking, poke, he's just kind of shooting questions. And in the end of all the questions, he found out he's just embarrassed. He's just embarrassed. He actually, is, he's, he's not cool with it. It ain't cool, but it's not a deal breaker. And she'll be out of jail in five years. And he's maybe terribly embarrassed, and he's the kind of guy that, like, is easily embarrassed and like it's this is really going to be a rough ride but that's what god sent and so the a proper rabbi would say to him stick with her man she's in her worst time of her life and now you now you dump her she's the toughest time of her entire life now you're out I mean, don't leave her when she's down you know you're embarrassed okay so you're gonna have to do some growth work you know that means you're gonna have to grow a lot but how many people get divorced without asking really anyone serious? When I say anyone serious, anyone who... How many people get divorced having never consulted the kind of person who would press you, press you to see what's really going on, what's really coming up for you? And if they had been pressed, they would have just had to go into some intense gauntlet of personal growth to get to the other side. But divorce would not have ever been in that picture. So, so the answer really is, is that when you're committed, you never drop your commitment. However, you, plus a serious mentor who knows how to coach properly, a serious mentor, not just someone who you pay to stamp things, but a serious mentor who will, who will coach you through whatever it is that's coming up for you. 
Now, sometimes there are situations where even the coach will say, this has nothing to do with you, man. You're out. And then you're out. Then you're out. But I I can tell you this much. Um, I'm now working with marriages for 27 years as a rabbi. And I've had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of calls over the last 27 years, a lot of meetings over the 27 years. And everyone who agreed to work with me is still married. Everyone who agreed to work with me is married. And the, uh, there was, I have to admit, there was one divorce. And then he married someone else. And then he divorced her and remarried the lady that I worked with. So the only couple that I ever worked with that got divorced are actually now married. That's not nothing to do with me. I don't know what happened to these people. But, uh, but, but I literally had 27 years without a divorce. That's pretty big time. You realize, I mean, how can, you, how can that be? It doesn't sound like it makes any sense whatsoever. But when you're committed and you're in, so that all that means is that you're going to be getting a tremendous amount of, of growth. Because growth is only possible. And that's how we started this whole thing. Remember, we're talking about a Shem consent test. And then you grow. That that growth really only becomes possible for a committed person because what do we grow from? We grow from uncomfortable circumstances, but uncomfortable circumstances are always just enough reason to run away again. And we run away when it gets uncomfortable and we never grow. But when you're fully committed to something and you no longer let reason stop you, you're no longer reason able, so then you can really start to grow. In a, in a real way and stay committed to your commitments there is a time that you got to get out of a commitment but you never do that alone you only do that after you've really gone through the gauntlet of the growth necessary in Israel in general the law is that when divorces come to the rabbinut in Israel when couples come for a divorce they don't get the, they won't give them the divorce they give them counseling and they, they go right into marriage counseling which is to me a divorce factory but but the, uh, um, we're going to pass around a cup. Again, people have change, even any change that helps them buy drinks. And anyone have something that folds, they're going to be uh, fish and chicken and stuff like that at their Shabbos meal. A lot of kids in this family. And unfortunately, uh, they've hit some dire straits. Shalom, everyone. And anyone who wants to boost this, uh, please come on up and offer the boost. Otherwise, I'll... You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.